Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is January 20th. I am David Gasper, joined by co-host Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. In this week's episode, we are going to discuss some more possible brewers' free agent targets and what needs to be done ahead of spring training. Joining us for the discussion this week is Josh Waldock, one of our contributors at Reviewing the Brew. Josh, welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast, man. Good to see you. Good to see you guys, too. Thanks for having me. So a lot, lot to discuss. You know, brewers haven't really done that much uh, so far through the off season. Um, they, they made a couple of signings we talked about last week, but things have really kind of been uh, kicking up over the past couple of days. George Springer has signed, Michael Brantley has signed, Kirby Yates has signed, J.A. Happ just signed, Jose Quintana. Uh, the Brewers, though, they've been fairly quiet. You know, they had Daniel Robertson and uh, Jace Peterson. <laughs> Matt and I just... We're not getting into ex- that again. Yeah, we expressed our disgust on that one last week. <laughs> but yeah, the the Brewers, they gotta, they still have some moves they got to make. They, they got some holes to fill, but you only got less than a month now until spring training begins. So, Josh, what, what are your thoughts on, on when the Brewers are going to make some moves and sign somebody? I mean, that's a great question. I've been thinking that it's the next, I've been thinking it's got to be tomorrow for the past, uh, what, four months now, three months, long <laughs> we are in the off season. It seems kind of like everyone, I mean, you have the Padres stacking up, and now Blue Jays are stacking up, and kind of the Central is just really staying pat, and I think it's the Brewers for the taking if they were to make a move or two, but David, David Stearns has shown us before that he's, more than willing to operate in kind of non-dimensional ways and kind of strike when no one's expecting it. So I think kind of maybe if we just kind of collectively accept that nothing's happening, maybe he'll go out and he'll get Nolan Arenado or Jose Ramirez or something insane like that. You never know. Yeah, man. I, I Same boat. It, like, it's got to be any day now. Like, it, at some point, we're going to get that signing. Um, and we're – at less than a month till pitchers and catchers report. So, you know, it's got to be someone soon at some point. I think part of why you've seen this delay with the Brewers, especially um, not just because of payroll situations um, and not just because no one else from the NL Central is doing anything. So it's not like we have anyone else to keep pace with is the fact that the two main positions of need for the Brewers, first base and third base, um, are two of the markets that have been pretty slow at this point, um, if you pull up, you know, MLB.com's uh, free agents by position, their entire list of third basemen has gone unsigned. So everyone's still available. That's been there since the very beginning of the offseason. In first base, um, you know, Carlos Santana went a while ago. Um, you had Smoke and Thames kind of uh, they're going overseas. Um, and then Charlie Culberson signed a minor league deal with the Rangers. Ooh. And again, that's it for the first baseman. So. You know, the Brewers have had that luxury that, you know, if they are targeting free agents, and then we're, we're not even going to talk about the whole how the whole DH plays into this because we've talked about <laughs> it plenty of times, um, but just every, any of their potential targets are still available as potential targets. So that could explain at least partially why the Brewers haven't made their moves yet. But uh, clock's ticking here, Stearns. Um, plus, you know, us fans... We need some news. We we need something past the Daniel Robertsons and the Jace Petersons of the world. Like give us give us something exciting here. It's 2021. It's good news year. Give us. 
Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I think Charlie Culberson might have been Stern's number one target there for first base. He, he seems like a Stern's guy. Well. <laughs> Could have missed out. Um, also, b- before I forget even further, uh, the beer today. Got the, the Miller Lite here for the cold brew. Uh, Matt, what are you drinking? Uh, we're back to, um, I had a couple MK Brewing plowed in beers uh, in the refrigerator still, and I just had to drive through a couple blizzards twice over the last five days, so it seemed appropriate once again. Perfect. Josh, what do you got? I'm going with the Keeper Moving Light Lager from uh, Ale Asylum. Charlie Barron's. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, some Charlie Barron's. We should try to get him on one of these weeks. That would be something. I I think that's a great idea. Maybe the best one you've ever had. Well, outside Perhaps. of Corbin Burns being a Cy Young candidate. Yeah, that was probably my number one idea for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, free agent signings, Um, as we were talking about there, like, yeah, they got some moves to make uh, for sure and time is ticking. But let's also not forget, because I'm going to be that guy. The Brewers didn't trade for Christian Yelich and didn't sign Lorenzo Cain until January 25th back in 2018. So we still got another five days uh, from when we're recording now until that passes. And then once we get past that date and if the Brewers don't do anything, then maybe it's time to panic. Totally kidding. But (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, yeah, there's still there's still time. And. A lot of guys are still out there. You know, it's not like the entire market has been picked over and the Brewers still haven't done anything. But, yeah, it's there's still time, plenty of guys for for them to look at. Are there some guys, Josh, for you that, you know, you, you've got your eye on for the for the Brewers to be looking at? Obviously, I think a guy like Jed Jerko would be great to bring back. Um, you know, I think kind of a lot now – I think since with the Springer move, the Quintana move, the Hat move, I think we're going to see some more dominoes start to fall. And that might kind of push some movement more towards guys who are within the Brewers' price range. I mean, Bob is not going to be on the Brewers. Um, I think a guy like Justin Turner could be interesting. I think he's out of the price range. But, you know, Matthew Franco, I think, would be a very interesting candidate, kind of a very Sternsy guy. That I think we could maybe plausibly see brought on. Yeah, I, there's one guy, you know, I, I wrote about him at the beginning. He was the first guy I wanted to write about um, when the whole free agent uh, stuff started, and then haven't really touched on him since then. Tommy Lastella was a guy that I've kind of followed a little bit um, over the last few years. Um, he's this 2020 season was actually one of the first times he got to play almost an entire season. Um, Batted 281, 370 on base percentage, 819 OPS. Um, he's can have a little pop here and there. Um, he's n- more expensive than the Brewers probably want to pay, um, but not out of this world. He's probably going to sit in the like seven-ish million um, in average annual value, which yeah, it's not unheard of. It probably would be the only big one we got at that point. Um, but he could play a number of positions for us. MLB.com actually had an article out recently that listed him as the um, best first baseman still available on the market, which is weird because that's one of the positions he definitely has played the least in his career. Um, but he has played a decent amount of games at third base. 
um, which just so happens to be one of our holes. Um, so I, that's a guy that I would just I, I feel like he does a lot of things well, especially on offense. And he's really only gotten better with each year. Um, I think he would fit in well and could be, you know, a key that would kind of turn this offense around, which is obviously the thing that we all want to see happen after what was a dreadful offensive performance last season. Yeah, it it was really tough watching that offense in 2020. I mean, it was it was not good, and they, they really kind of need an infusion of talent. I mean, they also need you know some guys coming back. They need Christian Yelch back at normal levels, Keston Hure at normal levels, and, and things like that. But you also got to add some power, add some offense somewhere. And the corner infield spots for the Brewers are, are pretty dreadful. Friend of the podcast, Robert Murray, uh, has talked about this when he's on how the Brewers front office guys kind of acknowledge that and everyone kind of acknowledges that the corner infield spot is really just abysmal for the Brewers. And if they're going to compete for a world series, which they say they're going to do, they feel they say they're going to be a competitive team this year, but if they're going to do that, they need to drastically improve the corner infield positions. And some guys, you know, like you're saying, Tommy LaStella or Michael Franco, uh, or, you know, maybe Jed Jerko again, like they, they can get those positions at least a little bit better than where they are now. I think one an other possible option would be Jake Lamb. Uh, he mm-hmm. had a couple productive years out in Arizona, um, then, then kind of a down season, went to Oakland in a trade and uh, really kind of bounced back a little bit with them and now is on the free agent market. He's someone that I think could be had for cheap and he's someone that can get back to a pretty high level play possibly and turn, turn out to being a pretty good team friendly contract if the Brewers can get them. Yeah. And taking a chance on a guy bouncing back from some rough uh, injury hampered years. uh, All you have to do is think back to last year, Jed Jerko. He'd had that rough 2019 um, with kind of just a number of things nagging at him. Um, But the Brewers took a chance on him, gave him that uh, classic, 2020 uh, one-year-plus contract option chance, and, you know, he ended up being one of our most consistent offensive hitters for the year. There were others we took chances on that didn't work, as we and Stearns have pointed out, Um, but it can work out as long as, you know, you do your homework and you believe, uh, have a good feeling that that guy you're going after has, in fact, turned it around. Um, I I was a big fan of his back uh, when he was, you know, around 2017 when he had his all-star season then obviously things went poorly after that but uh i i would have no qualms seeing him in a brewer's uniform josh what do you think uh i think lamp is a very interesting guy i mean i know um he's turned out really great in all my out of the park stage so you know there's always that kind of <laughs> the base of but yeah i think he's a he's an interesting guy and yeah like you said he's coming off of a down year uh he was just with what was that i think he was traded to oakland and, you know, coming off of a down year. But hit, I'm sorry, I'm just pulling up his StatCast page right now. I mean, his exit velocity is pretty consistent with what where he was for his career. So, you know, I know it doesn't always translate perfectly well, but a consistent exit velocity can translate to kind of consistent success over time. Um, I think he could be a good rebound candidate, and he likely would cost less than $5 million, which – would probably be within the Brewers' price range. 
Yeah, and, and that's something that I, I I think a lot of fans are just kind of like, uh, you know, tired of, you know, trying to go to the bargain bin and trying to get guys, trying to get them on a bounce back year and just kind of hoping that they're going to succeed. And everyone just kind of wants that consistently successful, you know, he's going to be good, you know, pay the money. All, all the fans want that kind of guy for basically all of these spots and the unfortunate reality for the brewers is that they're not going to be able to get that in, in free agency for all these positions. I mean, they, they went out for it with Yelich. Uh, they hit a home run there. They, they've had some success there with Lorenzo Cain and, you know, Keston Hira drafting well. Um, but really just kind of uh, being able to um, pay these types of these types of players in free agency, the money that they want to get those consistently good players. It's not something that the Brewers have a big capability to do. And that's really kind of why the huge importance is on drafting and developing well. So you can have these players for cheap for several years. Um, that, that's what the Brewers have done with their rotation. And because for years they, they've been trying to stop gap their rotation with free agent options, you, you try and put in Matt Garza's and Kyle Loesch's and, you know, players like that. And Braden loopers. Ugh. Yeah. Oh my God. You bring, I'm having like flashbacks here. <laughs> uh, Braden Lu, he started like what? 34 games in 2009 or something like that. Like he, like he started like every it was, oh my goodness. They, was, they leaned on him quite a lot. Uh, yeah. It did go well. Yeah. Those are the Ken Blocker years. Oh. And, I forgot Looper and Supon in the rotation. Mm, that was oh, awesome. man. And people ask why Brewers fans drink. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we have been traumatized from Ken Maka. Mm-hmm. All right. Ken Blocker, as I call him. Blah. All right. Moving on. <laughs> um, but yeah, like like now they have Woodruff and Burns and, and they have these guys for the rotation that are young, that are, that are cheap, that are affordable, um, that, that can lead that group. And now they just kind of need some help elsewhere around the offense. And I, I think if we were coming off a normal year, the Brewers would be able to extend a little bit more because Braun's contract is off the books. Yelich's new money doesn't kick in until next year, until 2022. So this would have been their window to really kind of extend themselves for a free agent or two. And instead, because of the shutdown, because of no fans, the shortened season, they're not really going to be able to do that. And it's it's really, uh, it hit, I, th- I think this this uh, shutdown hit the Brewers harder than than a lot of other teams. Yeah, and I think that's why the fans are just just itching here because we know we have that potential with that returning pitching staff, with that solid core in the starting rotation, as well as the bullpen, with the NL Central not doing anything. And yes, we know that everyone got hit hard and the Brewers are potentially reducing payroll and, you know, we're not going to have a $140 million team like when Mark Adonazio has like really stretched out and pulled every single coin out of the couch cushions that he could, but we're just a, just that t- 
tiny, tiny bit more, just, you know, a tiny bit being a few million, of course, but right. just those few small additions, one to two small additions to the um, roster could make the difference for the team before next year when some of that those things like Yelich's extension, you know, really start to kick in. So th- that's I think that's why we're sitting on these pins and needles is because, you know, it doesn't need to be much right now and we could really have a shot. We know Yelich isn't going to look the same as he looked last year. We know Kane is back. We have a good feeling that Garcia and Hira are going to have better seasons than 2020. So put all that together with just just, just, just one, one. <laughs> I'll, I'll start with one, and we can get more than that if the uh, checkbook allows us to. But just, just give me that one addition, and like I'm going to be riding the 2021 NL central pennant hype train the season riding the hype train that's right yeah it's just because like you know you know the the window is open it's right there all you gotta do is just you just gotta go through go go to it go through it and it's just it's tough because they're being they're being held back by by all of this and you know you you know it's there and it's not the brewer's fault and, and it's, there's not really much that they can do about it, but it's just frustrating seeing the window of opportunity right there in front and not being able to, to go to it, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think everything you guys said is hundred percent true. I mean, obviously the brewers are never going to be able to compete, like have a payroll like the Dodgers or Yankees, but I mean, I think being able to spend even a little extra and kind of stretch it, like you said, is really going to be a key for them. Um, But I think David Stearns has done a good job of spending smartly. I think he's done, I think for the most part, he's done a great job of really kind of spend only allocating contracts that are going to be beneficial. I mean, you did an article on kind of finding his true batting average and he hits a lot more than he misses. So I think it's easy to kind of, or, you know, I think it's the gut instinct to kind of say, oh, well, you know, we just need more money. We need more money. But I think kind of the, I think David Stearns has proven time and time again that he's kind of the right guy to build a winner in Milwaukee. And I think Mark Antonazio brings a little bit extra cash in there. I think, I think it, a World Series would be well within reach at that point. And Adonazio did just uh, like sell his stake in the uh, ownership group they had out in Cali, right? Does he have maybe some? Yeah, like, like their their owner or their capital investment firm or whatever. Like it just got sold. Like I, I think he's still like there, like running it. But there now there's like some like other investors or he's getting paid something. I think. Um, yeah. So he, I'm not sure if that money is able to translate to paying more money for the brewers. I'm really not sure how all that works. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really have no idea of the financials of that. Also, the brewers are going to be needing a new television deal this off season, but again, because of the um, depressed market, because, you know, of all the, because of the pandemic and everything, the increases aren't likely to be as big. Um, according to, I think it was like Ken Rosenthal, um, had like an article on it that like they're talking about the TV contracts 
and how I forget which team, but someone went from like 20 million a year in TV uh, rights money to 40 million. And they said, like, I think the Brewers and Royals are the only two without a TV contract for the upcoming year. And they're around that same spot, around 20 million, but they're not expected to see the same kind of increase in the rights fees. Mm. So they're not going to be getting an extra 20 million. Maybe they'll get an extra 10. But I mean, there's also the issue of FS Wisconsin currently not being held by pretty much anyone outside of Spectrum. Um, So a a lot of places have been dropping it because of whatever issues with, with Sinclair. So with less people being able to watch also makes it harder to get more money from the TV rights. Yeah, that's a sore subject because I've not been having luck finding particularly like Bucks games this uh, mm-hmm. this winter. And all the streaming services I used to use to get FS Wisconsin don't carry them anymore. Sling doesn't carry them. Hulu doesn't carry them. YouTube TV doesn't carry them. It's, yeah, you have to get cable essentially either through spectrum or at&t or whomever and oh it's just frustrating that nfl does such a good job of making its product available not only on network television but also through you know you can stream the games through yahoo sports or nfl app and stuff like that and meanwhile you have baseball doing everything it can to give you less ways to watch a baseball game so at rant over i'll finish there but i mean we we all know it. you see that you see the comments all over twitter you know obviously tons of fans are frustrated about this oh yeah i mean iowa is blacked out from six different mm-hmm. mlb markets yeah and meanwhile the nfl just had a playoff game on nickelodeon that was centered towards kids to, to get kids interested in the game and everyone's looking at this like first of all this like did you guys watch that bear saints game on, on nickelodeon did, did, I did you see that? Josh, what would you say there? I, I it was amazing. I, I loved every second of it. I mean, it was, you know, the, if you guaranteed me slime at any at every bird game, I would be there in a heartbeat and I would watch every single second of it. Like I, every single second of any MLB game was slime. Exactly. Like, like why why doesn't MLB have stuff like this to try to? you know, geared the game towards kids because that's where baseball is really kind of losing a, a lot of people. Like, they're, they're not getting kids. They're not getting the younger generation. And, I mean, we, we've talked about this previously with, with other guests about, you know, cutting down the minor leagues and how that's taking professional baseball away from uh, so many youth across the country and, you know, now having all the TV issues and all this other stuff. Like, baseball's put itself in a very difficult position and I'm not sure how we keep on getting on this topic every single week. <laughs> like it seems like we always we always tail into this somehow um, how, about how baseball needs to do better, essentially. But yeah, like it's it's somewhere the Brewers to, to kind of circle back to. I think where we started this with the Brewers TV rights deal. Um, you know, they should be getting some sort of an increase. Maybe not a major one. Maybe not something that you know, drastically alters their payroll projections for for 2021. But, you know, there, there should be some sort of um, help coming at some point soon. And, and we'll see if 
um, revenue sharing is back in 2021 because revenue sharing was mm-hmm. was taken away this past year, and that's where the brewers get tens of millions of dollars um, revenue sharing from the bigger market clubs. And if that's not back in 2021, then it's going to be very difficult for the brewers going forward. Um, but thankfully, Christian Yelich signed his contract extension a week before the shutdown began, so he's here. I'd like to point out that we just went through that whole conversation without mentioning MLB's version of Lord Voldemort, he who shall not be named, that we love to just bring up. Well, we did until you just brought him up. No, no one said his name yet. He who shall not be named. That's that's it. We're done. But I still wanted to point it out. All right. Um, all right. Let's kind of circle back to um, one of the rumors that one of the few rumors that we actually heard earlier in the offseason. Jock Peterson, the Brewers had interest in him back at the winter meetings, reportedly from from Ken Rosenthal. And it's been all quiet since the other teams that reported to be interested. Um, the White Sox, they signed Adam Eaton, so they're not really going to be interested. The Nationals were listed as a possible suitor for Jack Peterson, and they signed Kyle Schwarber, so they're out. So really, the only teams that have been rumored to be interested in Peterson that still have a hole that, that they could sign him for are the Brewers and the Cardinals. And if Peterson comes to Milwaukee, he would essentially be a first baseman because the Brewers have Avisil Garcia getting $10 million already to play right field. They have Kane, they have Yelich. There's no spot for him in the outfield. There's not even a platoon role for him out there. So it would have to be as a first baseman, have to be as a platoon option. And the only way that happens is if the DH is here. So Daniel Vogelbach can be the DH because otherwise Vogelbach and uh, Peterson can't platoon because they're both left-handed hitters. So Peterson is is someone that I think could work, but you need you need answers on, on the DH. But uh, just kind of player-wise, Josh, what, what what do you think of Jack Peterson uh, potentially becoming a Brewer? I mean, I think Peterson would be a great fit in Milwaukee. He seems like he just the name Jack Peterson. It sounds like a very Brewer name which I think is always kind of a, a bonus. But I think, I mean, he's been a solid contributor with the Dodgers for the past six seasons. And I think he would fit well in Milwaukee. And, you know, kind of going back to your point of how he'd have to play first base. I mean, you know, we had a crowded out, you know, we had kind of a, it seems like a set outfield. Then Stearns went in and brought in Kane and Yelich. And then the offseason after he brought in Garcia. I mean, he's not afraid to kind of, Born talent in a position like that, especially in a position where, you know, injuries happen, stuff happens like that. But I agree that if he were to come to Milwaukee, it'd probably most likely be on a first base basis, which honestly I'm kind of a little skeptical about, just given he's only appeared in 20 games at that position. And, you know, first base is a tough position to kind of adjust to, especially when you go from Standing in the outfield to getting a hundred mile an hour balls whipped at you from uh, Arcia. Yeah, and we brought it up once before. How many errors did he have in those twenty games? Was it six? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I, some something yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I think it's. I, I agree with David. I think he comes if the DH is going to be a thing. Otherwise, I mean, 
Yeah, you do have with uh, Vogelbach's contract, remember, his was non-guaranteed. Um, so if you did decide that you wanted to go Jock Peterson instead, that's a significant upgrade, let's be honest. We all love uh, Vogelbach. Um, but Jock Peterson would be a better player offensively. The problem is if you're if there's worries that whether or not uh, Vogelbach is going to hold up at first base as a defensive option, you're not getting better with Peterson. Those worries only multiply. So I don't know. I I think again I agree. I think if the DH uh, if they finally at some point decide, yep, that's happening for 2021. I bet there's a good chance Stearns is on the phone trying to figure out if there's a way to make this work. If not, I think there are plenty of other uh, holes that he can fill in a much better way than bringing in Peterson and kind of just creating more uncertainty. It's just crazy that we're less than a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting and we just have no clue. I mean, I think the first Cactus League game is scheduled for February 27th, so we're five weeks away and we I mean, half the league doesn't know how to build their roster out, which is just, I think, a poor, I mean, a, a reflection of poor kind of management of the league in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it says a lot about he who shall not be named. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> uh, yeah, but and what you're talking about there with, with first base, you know, kind of being a difficult position to, to transition to, I'm reminded of the scene in Moneyball. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking <laughs> oh, about? Yeah. Yeah, 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 Josh knows. <laughs> you can play first base. It's not that hard. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, it's, uh, I mean, it does kind of track well with any free agent that's ever existed. Brewer fans are always looking to plug him in at first base. Yeah. Because most of the time, the, the position that that dude has played before, the Brewers already have somebody at. You know, because yeah. Jack Peterson's a left fielder. The Brewers have a left fielder in Christian Yelich, who was just ranked by MLB Network the number one left fielder in baseball. So you're not going to put him in left, and you're not going to platoon him with Yelich. So you got to find a new position for him, and first base is the only one that seems to make any sort of sense because third base, he does not have the arm for third base. He barely has the arm for left field. <laughs> so, yeah, Jack Peterson, is he'd be a first baseman or a bust, or DH, you know, for that matter. Uh, or bust for the Brewers. So it, it's just kind of waiting to and seeing. And who knows, maybe they have something where it's like, if there is a DH, we can get this deal done quickly. But yeah, it, it's really just kind of that, that whole first base plan is just put on hold until there there's some sort of clarity on the DH role. Because I don't see how Stearns can, can sign any of these guys without knowing if that's going to be there, because that, that has an impact on what they do with Vogelbach and whether they can go for an everyday guy or whether they have to go for a platoon guy or two platoon guys or, or what they have to do. So it's just, it's a difficult situation that somehow we have not had clarity on, even though I've been calling for clarity on this since November, but he who shall not be named does not listen to me apparently, or this podcast. That's why I would just love for the Brewers to focus more on third base. I mean, it, it, if mm-hmm. worse came to worse, you you have a first baseman in Vogelbach, theoretically. And, you know, when we had a uh, friend of the podcast, McAlvey, on, um, 
he didn't completely shoot down the idea that, you know, Nottingham could maybe platoon with him, at least till maybe they figured out a different solution. Um, but third base, there is no if they have the DH about third base. So they could solve that issue so that we don't uh, have to worry that we're going to go into the season with a Luis Urias, Daniel Robertson platoon or something um, that we have some solid uh, grasp on what's going to happen there. Um, That's where I would like them to focus that energy right now. Yeah, a Luis Urias, uh, Daniel Robertson, Platoon at third base does not sound very powerful. The Brewers <laughs> need power. Like they, they, throwing, they, what? I feel like you can throw though, like back, like kind of a three-way platoon might might get the job done. Three-way platoon? Is that yeah. what we had last year with Brock Holtz and Jed Jerko and Eric Sogard all together? It was something like that, yeah. It was, uh... Yeah, it was like all three of those guys, plus Urias coming in somewhere, they were all figuring in, and they had to be at third base because Keston Hero was at second and Orlando Arcia was at short. So that was really kind of the only place for them to play. So mm-hmm. I don't know if Stearns is going to try and go with the, the bulk approach again and just get a whole bunch of utility infielders and see if anyone can become a starter. But... You know, I think he might need to try something a little bit different, but he's the guy that gets paid the big bucks to make this, to make these decisions. And I'm the one who just sits here talking into a microphone. So still, I'd be good with a different third base experiment this year. I, I, that's, that's a one year thing that I am fully prepared to move on from. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like we said, the Brewers need to add more power into this lineup. And I love you, Luis Urias. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But the dude does not hit for power. Like, it, it's just not part of his game. You know, maybe he can defensively handle third base. I, I'm sure he can handle third base defensively just fine. But offensively, he's not going to provide the the spark that's needed from a third baseman. So I, I'd really like them to look elsewhere. And I think Urias is going to win the shortstop job. So... If that happens, then we won't be able to worry about him there. Um, right. So then it all works out. And everyone's yeah. happy. The Brewers win the division, win the World Series, and everyone goes home fun. fun. Um, yeah. So that, that's my positive thinking. I like it. Yeah. So just kind of looking to, to the outfield picture now, Josh, you've written um, a couple articles, you know, looking at, um, some of the Brewers outfielders. Your one on Avisail Garcia. I mean, really kind of looking at his struggles. I mean, he signed a big contract with the Brewers, a two-year deal, $20 million. And he he showed well in summer camp, but he didn't really perform in the regular season, really kind of struggled throughout the year. The power didn't show up. And the Brewers kind of didn't really get what they expected from him. Um, and, and you took a, a dive into kind of why he struggled and, and wasn't really able to get going. So could, could just kind of talk about, you know, what you found in, in your research for that article? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I honestly wasn't like, I honestly was very surprised on when I was looking at it is he actually put up like a positive kind of impact on center field in 2020, which is. Interesting. I mean, I think just because he's six four and two hundred fifty pounds. I mean, he's. I know the Cubs once described him as a. I think the broadcast described him as a refrigerator. I mean, that's not that's not at all kind of what you expect out of a center fielder. But I think Garcia, 
being asked to shift over from a corner outfield spot to kind of the most physical position on the field where you're running around the most and where you have the most ground to cover. I think that's going to take a toll on anyone. I think that really did um, have kind of an impact on that. He also, I mean, I love kind of digging into the stat cast numbers and his launch angle declined. His exit below also went down. So, I mean, making weaker contact and also the contact wasn't going as high, which is always kind of a bad or maybe not a bad thing, but not kind of typical with the, the kind of the era of big launch angles. But I think really Garcia's struggle came from kind of being overextended and kind of being asked to physically perform at a position where he's not kind of the typical mold for. Um, kind of being able to shift back over to right field should be a better fit for him and will hopefully kind of get a better result in on him. I mean, he played defense adequately, but he's no Lorenzo Cain. I mean, Cain is trying to pull up his uh, measurement. Like, his, he is Let's just say Kane's not six two two fifty when he's trolling around the outfield robbing home runs like <laughs> no. he does. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if Kane's I mean, ever been two fifty. <laughs> yeah, I I remember being surprised when I heard that he was one of the faster guys in the league, and I was like, really? That that Garcia? Like like I didn't know that much about him, but I I, I knew what he looked like. <laughs> so I. Yeah. I just I remember being surprised. Um, don't forget too. I, I mean, he started 26 games in the leadoff spot last year. So, you know, they were not only adding the, those center field duties to him, but also leadoff duties to him for a bunch of the games. So, it, you know, that's even more pressure on this guy to uh, perform. And I don't know how 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 many times he bad leadoff previously in his career. I don't imagine it was many. Um, but I think kind of what you're alluding towards, like you have Kane taking back over center field, taking off those leadoff duties. Garcia's kind of able to play one of those more support roles like he has been. I think with a lot of that pressure off him, we can hopefully see a bounce back season. Really, some of his other numbers outside of the you know power numbers and launch angles, it, for a team that struck out all the time, his, his strikeout percentage was pretty much the same as it was to 2019. He actually walked more, which seemed to be the case with a lot of brewers. Um, but it's not like he was just swinging and missing all over the place. He wasn't connecting particularly well. He only had a 3.8% barrel rate, which is horrible. Yeah, um, that was, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you there. That's fine. So, yeah, there, there were some... Uh, differences for sure from previous seasons, but um, I would think just being in a, a little bit different situation, we can kind of see a bounce back from him. Yeah, I mean, kind of going back to the barrel percentage, I mean, one of the things I actually looked at was, so there were 89 players who qualified in both 2019 and 2020, and Garcia's de- decrease in barrel percentage was by far the highest. I mean, it was almost a 7% decline, and, you know, that kind of if you're not making solid contact with the ball, it's kind of going to have a cascading effect just down everywhere. And that, you know, we saw the results of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and in terms of the leadoff spot, if Ryan Healy can hit in the leadoff spot, <laughs> then Avisail <laughs> Garcia can hit in the leadoff spot. 
but uh, can Ryan Healy hit in the leadoff spot? No, I mean, he can he can <laughs> pop up to the catcher on the first yes. pitch. He could do that in the leadoff spot. I I still think Craig might have been drinking before that game when he filled up that lineup. <laughs> Which one? The one where Healy was leadoff or the one where Healy was cleanup? Both. <laughs> <laughs> The one where Healy was in the lineup. Just straight up that <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like, you know, your season comes down to one game. Get weird with it. Throw Healy in a cleanup. I mean, what do you, what do you have to lose? 2020 Milwaukee. Your entire season. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, fun times. Yeah, Ryan Healy, I, he's going to – is it Korea or Japan? Um, for next year, I, I thought he signed somewhere overseas. I um, it might have been Korea. I'm not sure, but either way, he's not going to be back in a in a Brewers uniform for next year. So I mean, I'm not going to rule out a possible reunion, though. I mean, James and Lindblom both came from Korea, so. No, oh, yeah, well, he, he's not going to be back in 2021 at least. <laughs> 2022 yeah. Healy Redemption Tour. I'm I'm on board for it. <laughs> Might be more likely to get a Justin Smoke Redemption Tour. I mean, yeah. he he signed for six million in Japan. I mean, that was that was yeah, pretty good that's, dollars too. <laughs> that's more than he got with the Brewers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He only got like five million with the Brewers, and if he tried to stay in MLB this offseason, he probably would have gotten a minor league deal worth maybe a million bucks. You know, like he, he wouldn't have even gotten close to to six million. Um, so I mean, good for him uh, for for getting that contract. But Ryan Healy yeah. is in fact uh, in the KBO, by the way. Justin uh, Smoke. Uh, oh, that was just one. I was so excited for him going into last year. That was uh, that was probably one that I was most disappointed by because I thought he was going to light it up. Yeah, I was more disappointed by Omar Narvaez um, and what he mm-hmm. kind of put. I was pretty excited for him. You know, he had shown some power, and, you know, he'd been a pretty good hitter, and he just – he looked awful up there. And then Jacob Nottingham got him, got himself more of an opportunity. Nottingham didn't hit much better, and it's just – yikes. Yeah. I, I was I was excited for Manny Pena to get some number one catcher reps, and then all of a sudden he injured his knee, and – and then the whole thing's just, it was bad. Return of the Pineapple, 2021. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Mario Feliciano, 2022. Oh, did you see the story about him today? I, yeah, apparently Yadier oh, Molina yeah. has been mentoring him. And I was oh. like, wow, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be completely hating Yadier Molina with every fiber of my being. I don't, like, I, you know, I, I don't really want to have to like Yadier. Like, I mean... <laughs> I was like conditioned to grow up just hating him and like yeah you know if he has a redemption arc like, I don't know if I could handle that <laughs> yeah remember when he started a fight there by the Brewers dugout this past year like yeah um he like after he got like hit on the hand like all of a sudden just started barking with Craig Council or like Council's barking at him or or was it Murph maybe I'm I'm not sure who it was but someone was yelling at him and he was just kind of starting a fight by the Brewers dugout. Well, and then that was the one where he was chirping at the second base umpire in between innings after that. Yeah. 
Like, it's. I mean, he's not currently a Cardinal. He's a free agent, so I, I guess I can be allowed to somewhat be okay with him mentoring our, our guy. Obviously, in full honesty, that is an amazing thing because he's been one of the better catchers over the last several years. So, yes, please, uh, Mario, take in everything you can from him because we'd love to see you sooner than later and just mashing in Miller Park. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah. I would have loved it to be any other catcher, but hey, I don't yeah. know. But hey, <laughs> learning from any any future Hall of Fame catcher is, is pretty much a good thing. So uh, yeah. and I'm pretty sure they're both natives of Puerto Rico, so that might explain a little bit of the connection there. Um, I, I know Feliciano was drafted out of Puerto Rico, and I think yeah, that's yeah. where Yadier Molina is from. Um, so... That, that could explain a little bit of the, the connection between those two sides. Because you really wouldn't think a lifelong Cardinal and a Brewer's prospect would be like, you know, hey, like, l- let me mentor you and, and help you along. But Yeah, they're actually, looks like they're actually from the same city of uh, Bayamon. Um, hope I didn't butcher that. If I did, uh, <laughs> let me know. But it looks like they're from, it looks like kind of they had that local connection, which might ex- kind of explain what, like you said, kind of why they're bonding. Yeah, not even just the same country, same city mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So yeah, that that would certainly that would explain a lot. All I did right, not get a chance to it. fully read the article, and that's probably explained in there. But yeah, if if I if we had read that beforehand, perhaps you know <laughs> we we could have saved ourselves the past two minutes there. <laughs> um. All right, but yeah, so so good stuff there for for Feliciano. Um, another one of your articles, Josh. Uh, Lorenzo Kane needing him to, to come and bounce back. He had the year off, essentially. He played in like five games. You know, he's looking like he was having a, a bounce back year in 2020. And then, you know, he decided to opt out after the Cardinals series was postponed. So do, do you think Kane is going to be able to, to bounce back and, and still play pretty strong in, in 2021? So, I mean, I know I've been told that I kind of look at everything through his way with like the optimism of a rosy of like kind of like through a rosy lens but I mean I think Kane is going to bounce back I think he I mean I think really kind of comes down to unlucky being unlucky I mean in 2019 uh his Babbitt so batting average on balls in play just fell I mean it was 357 in 2018 it fell all the way down to 301 in 2019, which is, I mean, that's a, a massive decline. So when you're not hitting the ball, which, I mean, that's 50, a 50 point differential. And so I know Babbitt isn't, you know, always kind of the best metric, but it also does indicate luck, which does kind of show that I think, in my opinion, at least, he was getting unlucky, especially with his expected stats in that in 2019 were still solid. I mean, Expected batting average of 292, which is good for him. I mean, is good overall. I think, you know, unfortunately, the 2018 team that we had might be a, might not come back. I don't know if we get MVP votes, but, you know, he's going to be a solid contributor in the lineup, a solid clubhouse guy, and he's going to have elite defense, which is really all you can ask for out of Lorenzo King. Yeah, he was looking good to start last year, and after that uh, down year in 2019, 
that's just what we were all hoping for is we just want to see Lorenzo Kane back and yeah and then unfortunately he ends up opting out and you know all the power to him for doing that but uh it, oh it just looked like he was gonna have that classic bounce back um I'd like to think he's going to too because let's be honest after having opted out and been spending time with those three kids as we know, he may actually be more in shape going into this season than he has been going into any other season. That's that's what I'm going to count on. <laughs> Lorenzo Cain, 20 homer season inbound. That's right, 30 steals. I mean, I remember on the Insta- on the Brewers Instagram story about a month or two ago, he he backflipped the heck out of his kid. It was, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm hoping we can. I'm hoping he can bring that back in uh, 2021. It is so bad he made the pitcher cry. <laughs> I love it out there. And he's like, is he crying? <laughs> so that means you know he's got that competitive spirit still. Oh, oh he's yeah. ready. Oh man, yeah. I, I think like after everything that was 2020, we all just need a little more Lorenzo Kane in our lives. You know, the big oh, smile, yeah. just just kind of the. You just can't be upset when Lorenzo Cain is around, you know? Mm-mm. No, that's... Especially when you throw Brent Suter in just banging on stuff in the dugout. Like, him and Cain, like, together, I think that's just going to... That's going to make 2020 worth it. Or, actually, it's kind of a bold uh, statement, so I might, I might walk that back a little bit. But it'll, it'll make 2021 a better year having that content out there. Yeah, a full full season of the Vogelback positivity train. I mean, we've, we've yeah. got some personalities that could be fun here. Let's yeah, we, we, there's still Brent Suter. He's still yeah. here, so we we got that. Arcia's um, still here. Yeah, man, it was fun. I remember during summer camp when uh they were doing pineapple yoga with Ed Cedar and, and Manny oh, yeah. and Manny Pena in the dugout just doing like the, the weird moves and Ed Cedar's at third base just just arms flailing and everyone's like, dude, what's going on? <laughs> uh that that's still some of my favorite screenshots, um, like and pictures I took from from that thing. Just Ed Cedar just going like this. But but yeah, Ed Cedar's not gonna be the third base coach uh this next year. He's moving into an advisory role. And the Brewers uh, just announced today their new uh, base coaching alignments. So Jason Lane, uh, he is going to be the new third base coach. And Quentin Berry, uh, former outfielder, uh, he's going to be the new first base coach. So we knew these two were the base coaches a while ago. They didn't know the assignments yet. So they just announced that Jason Lane's going to be at third. And I don't... I don't think we can transfer the nickname over because Windmill Eddie was just kind of, you know, the perfect nickname for him there at third base. But Windmill Jason, it's it's not the same. Uh, and Adam McAlvey, he, he gave his idea on Twitter as, as passing lane. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Do you guys have any sort of ideas on, on a possible nickname for Jason Lane at third base? I was trying to, I was literally looking up synonyms before we got on here, and <laughs> so far, so far nothing. Um, there, there's something out there. We might have to crowdsource this. I don't know, but so far I've come up empty. I mean, I think passing lane is probably the best that you can come up with. I mean, you know, props to Adam for having the uh, creativity on that. But yeah, I mean, 
I guess maybe there are going to be a bunch more construction puns that you can, that we can think of, but I think for now it's passing lane kind of the the one to beat. I'm not um, gonna lie, I I am a little even more excited about uh, Quentin Barry over there at first base. Uh, the speedster kind of whispering some tips uh, on the base paths into some of those speedy guys over at first. I'd like to see how that's going to kind of turn out. Yeah, I think that could be that could be good because I mean his his main skill set as a player was his speed and his ability to steal bases and, and just yep. kind of pick up on on pitchers and their tendencies and and what they're doing. So that's really kind of his thing. So yeah, being able to to pick up stuff from from right over there from the first base coach's box and and tell it to the guys on first, um, I, I think that's going to be great. First, we need to get guys on first base. Um, that that's been the main issue <laughs> so far. Um, but yeah, so that, that that's something that uh, I think would be good to look forward to. Even though it's it's going to to stink not having Ed Cedar on the coaching staff. There there's still plenty of of fun personalities. There's still Murph. So Pat Murphy is there. Um, I remember when he came back um, after his heart attack and he wore that baseballism three up, three down shirt and he goes into the offensive meeting and so like, so I heard this was our new offensive strategy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just roasting the guy. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's, you know, those are the types of things that, you know, you take for granted a little bit as a fan because you only think about the, the players, these players played, these players didn't. These players had a good season, these players didn't. But it, it's easy to take or to forget about the things like the fact that their bench coach missed a huge portion of the season or the things like not being able to go in and look at video in the middle of the game. It's those types of things that could have had way more of an effect on that team uh, than we like to realize. And so having Murph back for an entire season could be huge for the Brewers. Yeah, Murph missed about like six weeks. I think he had to rest because of that uh, the heart attack. And the season was only ten weeks last year, so like he he was gone for most of it. Um, yeah, it, it's really kind of uh, it's it's good to see Murph back and, and good to see him uh, healthy. Like I, I I know he wanted to to get back onto the onto the field and in the dugout probably within a few days after his heart attack, but. Um, yeah, that, that's just, it's good to have him back for sure. And, you know, that that could really have a a positive impact because like that happened to, to Murph, like the day after Lorenzo Cain opted out. So it was just kind of like two, like big blows, two big clubhouse guys leaving in a very short amount of time. And it's just, it's tough to navigate that uh, as a team for sure. Um, some other Brewers news this past week, uh, they did successfully avoid arbitration with Brandon Woodruff and Josh Hader. I wrongfully predicted last week that both were going to go to a hearing. Matt's correctly predicted that they would both sign. So congratulations to Matt. You will have a fruit basket coming in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so uh, your basket, is that all right? I would prefer uh, a beer basket. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I might drink it all myself. Yeah, that's before I sent. All right, <laughs> that's to be expected. Yeah, I'm sorry. If you want a whole bunch of Miller Lite, you can go to the store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, yeah. Okay, so Josh Hader, 6.675 million. Uh, that's kind of in the upper tier of, of what he was um, expected to get. So, uh, man, what, what, what do you think? 6.6 million for, for Josh Hader for this season. I mean, I, I, I wish it would have been more towards the middle just for the sake of it would have given us more money to play around with. But in terms of Hader, you know, I'm happy that he got the money that he uh, is worth this offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he earned that. He earned it last offseason. Let's be honest. But we've discussed a couple times about, you know, what they value in terms of, you know, spending money on a person and, you know, uh, what they're worth in the end in terms of arbitration and, you know, saves numbers and all of those different things. So he he deserved it last year. He didn't get it last year. Um, he got it this year. So I, I, I'm happy for the guy. I'm I'm glad he's here. Um, it's nice to talk about something with Hader that's not trade rumors for once. Um, we get to talk about him being a brewer. And let's be honest, we've all loved seeing Hader as a brewer. So if we're going into the season with him, I'm, I am all for it. I am plenty ready uh, for some more uh, doses of Hader aid. Josh, what do you think? I think Matt kind of summed it up. I mean, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad Hader got paid. I think he, you know, I know kind of a contentious battle last off season and I'm glad they were kind of able to reach something where it wasn't, you know, hopefully it's kind of a less content, like hopefully kind of a less contentious art, like battle for it. Um, I just, I think it's crazy to think that he, Matt Chapman, like he's making more than Matt Chapman. I mean, I think, it just kind of shows the system, how weird the arbitration system is, but, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's getting paid and, you know, hopefully I'm looking forward to another year of him just punching out guys with a 98 mile an hour fastball. Yeah. And and you mentioned the system there. I mean, yeah, Josh Hader lost last year's, his arbitration case. Uh, he, he filed for, I think 6.4 million. He ended up getting 4.1 and, Arbitration hearings, if you don't know, they're very contentious as basically the team tries to explain how much the player sucks and how they shouldn't be paid what they're asking for. So a lot of players, it's very easy to take personally. Josh Hader, I don't think he did. Uh, When he lost his hearing, I think he was more just upset at the system because the system it rewards stats like saves and wins and just having high numbers of those. Um, and Josh Hader only had one year as a closer, as, as a full-time closer at that point. So that really kind of hurt his case, despite the Brewers publicly saying he's the best reliever in the league. He's got two NL, he's got back-to-back NL reliever of the year awards. Like th- there was plenty going in his favor and it seemed almost like a shoe in that, that he would win his case. But Instead, he lost because the system focused on saves numbers. And Hader, I don't think he was upset at the Brewers. It didn't seem that way. He was more just upset at the system. And this way, the Brewers were able to just kind of avoid that altogether with Hader um, and, and just kind of agree to a deal. Uh, meanwhile, Brandon Woodruff going to arbitration for the first time. He got a little over $3 million his first time through. 
Um, and, and he's someone who's also a Super 2 player, so he's going to have three more years of arbitration after this, uh, four years total. So uh, he's a guy that, that could end up you know, seeing his salary increase uh, quite a bit over the next couple of years. But I, I think this is a good contract for both sides, uh, certainly to start it, as Woodruff can start earning some money. And the Brewers still are getting more out of Woodruff than what they're paying him for, essentially. Um, so a good, good deal for both. I, I say, what do you think, Josh? I agree. I mean, I think anything, I mean, I think Woodruff has taken massive steps forward in the last two seasons. And I think he's going to continue to do that. But I think that this contract is, a good starting point for him. And I think um, I'm hopeful that the Brewers will be able to lock Woodruff down on kind of a contract similar, maybe not like similar in terms of money as Freddie Peralta, but kind of a similar structure in kind of where it rewards him kind of later on, like down the road and kind of provides mm-hmm. him the certainty with that. But obviously that's for, that's in between Stearns and uh, Woodruff and his agents. But I think it's going to be a great, I think it's a good contract that, should uh, benefit both sides, like you said. It, I mean, t- to pay $3 million for a guy who stacks up against a decent amount of aces across this league, I will take that. I will take that all day. <laughs> I mean, the, the combined amount of money you're spending to pay Woodruff and Burns to be your one-two, oh my... Like, Thank you. Thank you that we were able to finally develop some uh, front-end pitching on this team. Uh, meanwhile, oh, you have a team like the Cubs who just paid Chris Bryant $19.5 million in arbitration. He was projected 18.6, so they went way over with him. And then Javier Baez, uh, he was projected anywhere from 10 to 11.9 I mean, I think he got 11, 11.65, so he almost got towards the top. Oh, they are – all the talk was that they were going to potentially trade some guys and they needed to shed money, and they they are just still throwing it out there. I don't, I don't know what they're doing there. But uh, meanwhile, we get we get to complain about how $6 million for Hayter is a lot. I mean, it kind of is for the Brewers, but at least we're not paying dang near $20 million for Chris Bryant. Yeah, I think I remember it at the uh, um, like when Stearns was talking about it um, with, with the press afterwards. Someone asked him, "How are you going to be able to fit? Like, are, will you be able to fit Josh Hader's six million dollar payroll like in your budget?" And it's like, are we really at that point where you can't afford six million dollars for one of the best relievers in in all of baseball? Like, if the Brewers like can't fully afford that you know that that's a little I, I think that's stretching it a little too much to say that the brewers couldn't afford josh Hader at that price yeah i, I still think moving him might make some sense in terms mm-hmm. of the value you could get back but i mean saying that they can't afford him is is a little ridiculous yeah and just consider consider what you're paying and who you're paying for six million dollars is a bargain i mean to have a shutdown guy like Hater, yeah, I think I think we can figure that out. 
Yeah. If Hader was a free agent, he'd be getting he'd be getting way north of ten million dollars a year, most oh, likely. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think yeah, I think Chapman's contract wasn't it like three years at uh fifteen million a year, or just heck, look at what Liam Hendricks just got with the White Sox. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, Hader would definitely be worth a lot more on the on the free agent market. So, the Brewers are still getting pretty good value there. Um, so I think that'll be a good spot to wrap up for this week's edition of the Cold Brew Podcast. Hopefully by next week we'll have some uh, more signings to talk about and and Stearns can can make some moves. We'll see. But uh, Josh Waldeck, our contributor uh, here at Viewing the Brew, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and joining us this week. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It's always great to talk Brewers. Always is, and yeah. <laughs> And pretty soon, we'll have some actual baseball to talk about, just a couple weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So uh, we'll certainly keep you posted on everything on the Brewers offseason here at the Cobra Podcast and also at ReviewingTheBrew.com. So thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Be sure to come back for next week's edition of the Cold Brew Podcast. <laughs>